Hello, and welcome to the Nonprofit Radio Show, a podcast with tips and tools for small nonprofits. If you feel in the dark about how to run a nonprofit, sunshine is on its way. I'm Nancy Bacon, and I'm joined by Sarah Brooks. And today we're going to talk about preparing for end-of-year fundraising. Sarah, I bet your office is heating up. Totally, because the vast majority of fundraising at most nonprofits usually happens in the months of November and December. Why is that? You know, I have actually been asking myself that question a little bit as I prepare for a busy November and December. I think there are probably three reasons. There might be even more. But the first is, as a a culture, we're trained for tax deduction purposes to get that gift in before the calendar year end. I think back to 10 or 15 years ago, that was just constantly a message that was out there. And so even lots of people who may not actually itemize their taxes anymore have triggered in their brain that, oh, it's December. I need to make sure I do my charitable donations then. It's also what gets called the giving season, right? There's all sorts of advertisements out there about giving thanks around Thanksgiving, giving gifts in December. So it's a time for people to be thinking about giving. And I think that also triggers more fundraising. And then finally, honestly, I think it's part of the reality that it's the time when most nonprofits ask. And so that makes people respond. Yeah, it certainly does. I know for our family, it's the time when we have with our kids because we give as a family. Yes. And so it's when school has stopped and we can actually gather as a family and think about, okay, what do we care about? What are the organizations we want to give to as a family? I think also it's cold and the needs start to go up. I mean, I know our food banks, our homeless shelters, various health and human service programs, they really need help as the weather turns. Absolutely. So so what do we need to know? I mean, November is tomorrow as far as we're concerned. <laughs> What what should we be doing? Right. So, of course, it begins, as all things in the nonprofit radio show do, with making a plan or having a strategy. And I think that has a, a couple of different elements to it. The first, interestingly enough, is who do you want to reach? So my guess is your nonprofit has a a database of some kind or a list of cards or or whatever. And it has all sorts of people who give to you for different reasons. Maybe people who give to you at different times of the year, some give at an event or some give because uh, you send them a letter. And so you really want to look back at your donors from the last few years and say, who typically gives in November and December? If someone just gave to you in September, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to be asking them again, um, but you want to be looking at, okay, who are, who is my usual pool here? Because one of the mistakes I see nonprofits make with year end giving is they just blanket messages to everyone. And then they wonder why their return rate isn't as good. And I think in, if you think really strategically about who do we want to reach, who's most likely to respond right now, then you'll find you get a better response rate, which makes everyone feel better. I think that's a really good point, because what you're saying is that we need to really slow down rather than just like, I wrote the letter, let's get it out, pull out the database, send it out, go, pause, listen, reflect, think about the people in your community and resist jumping to action and start by figuring out what is your purpose. And 
Secondly, and that question around who do you want to reach is who do you need to reach? And that requires knowing who's, again, who's already given to your organization. Are you missing some major donors? Are you missing your loyal following? Are you missing new donors? Where do you need to emphasize your efforts so that you get that full portfolio of donors that you want to have to be a stable resilient organization into the future by the end of the year. So the who you want to reach then connects to the next question really is how do you want to reach them, right? Because once you figure out who you're reaching, how you reach them may vary in terms of whether they're, you know, by demographic or by, you know, snail mail versus email versus, you know, whatever. I mean, what do we need to know about how we're reaching people? So I think we immediately go to direct mail. (laughs) Um, That's like what we've all been trained to do probably, or maybe an email marketing campaign now, if you're, you know, trying to resist snail mail, but I encourage us to pause. And again, when we look back at who, who it is we're trying to reach and think about what's the most meaningful way to reach that group of people, it might very well be a well-crafted letter, um, but it could also be something unusual. I've noticed a few organizations doing an awesome job right now creating a really simple two or three minute video. I mean, it can be as easy as hopping on Zoom and recording yourself. And then you've got a video talking about why the cause matters um, to you as a board member or as a staff member. And then sending that out to a handful of donors who you're trying to reach with a personalized message uh, via email. And they can watch it at home on their own. And it's sort of as good on some level as having a chance to stop and talk to them in the grocery store or some of those other ways we used to in-person connect with people. So if you're trying to reach a handful of people who know your organization well, either because they're longtime supporters or volunteers or major donors, and you want to give them that extra little human insight into what's going on, then a simple video, and I'm not talking high production value here at all, goes a long way toward making that authentic connection right now. On the other hand, sending out a great letter, if you're trying to reach lots and lots and lots of people, (laughs) can be a great answer if snail mail is something that your people respond to. And that, again, requires you just to go back and look at, well, how, how are people coming to us? If most people are coming to you through your web site or through online giving or text giving or anything like that, then you want to be sure you're reaching them in the digital world. If most people are still sending you a check, which I know still happens quite a bit, then snail mail might be the right fit for that too. I have many memories of November stacks of letters and signing each and every one of them. Thank you for being part of our community, every single one of them. You know, so I want to know, how how do you feel about this gift, end of year gift Mm -hmm. idea? So a lot of large nonprofits, you know, Habitat for Humanity and others, have the end of year calendar or pad of paper or magnet or whatever it is. How do you feel about those end of year gifts? Are those something that nonprofits should be thinking about or is that just fluff? Well, when I think about it, I think about it through the lens of small nonprofits. So I would discourage the year-end gift for small nonprofits because one, I think it takes your time focused on, well, what's that going to be and how do we get it and how do we mail that out to everyone who gives and you know, in our keep it doable principles, adds a layer of complexity. Two, I also think it makes this into more of a transaction. And again, I'm always a big fan and believer that giving and and receiving is a a values statement, a, a chance for us to connect 
we shouldn't need a pen or pad of paper to make that connection. And third, I like instead to flip the year-end gift piece uh, the other way around, which is to have people think about what it, how meaningful could it be if their gift was in honor of someone in their family or in their circle of friends who they knew shared those values. And so maybe what you send back is a special card to the receiver of that gift. So maybe I want to give to a cause I know you care about, Nancy. And it's awesome when the Humane Society then sends a card to you that says, hey, your friend Sarah knows you love animals and um, you know made this a, a donation in your honor. So I kind of like the idea of flipping that year-end gift instead of the organization thanking you for the donation, encouraging you to think about who could you honor with a gift and kind of spread that warm feeling that we know giving can give beyond just one person. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think the only time I've seen the end of year gift done well was for like a literacy campaign and they produced very simple bookmarks and it had pictures of the kids involved in the, in, you know, literacy. And it was very simple, really nothing fancy, but it did remind people about the mission. And I think ultimately it's got to go to the mission. A pen is not about the mission. That's exactly right, Nancy. So yes, you're. thank you for reminding me of that, that when that gift ties to what you actually do or, or makes you think about the impact you're having, awesome. If it's just a random thing. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not sure it's worth your time as a small nonprofit. Absolutely. So what else do we need to know about this? Well, I do think we have to go back to what's your message. Um, so, so you've narrowed down who you want to talk to. You figured out the right medium that you're going to use to communicate with them. Well, what on earth do you have to say to them at year end? And I think this is the most important place to spend your time thinking. Hopefully the who you want to reach and how comes out relatively quickly. This is where you spend the bulk of your time because you want to show how you're relevant. And I think right now there actually is a magic recipe for this. In today's moment, I think you want to have one part, current event or project, challenge or success you're working on. So one part, something that is happening right now within your organization that you want to talk about. And remember, it doesn't always have to be neatly tied up and completed with a bow. It can be something that's hard that you're struggling with as an organization, but you're conveying, this is what's on our mind right now. The next part of the recipe is future vision. Where are you headed? How do you see your organization in 2022? What's going to be on on the list of great things that you have a chance to get done going forward? And then the last part of the recipe always is some statement of your values. How can you show or list for these prospective donors, what it is you care about, what you believe in as an organization, so that when they're either listening to your video or reading this in your letter, they can say, oh, identify with all those. Absolutely. So I think it's three-part recipe. Love that because you're inviting people into your community. So you're, you're not just like, hey, give us money. It's, hey, this is what we're working on. These are the hard issues. These are the successes. This is the work. This is the, you know, I'm, I'm moving my hands like I'm kneading dough. Like, you know, we are massaging this dough together. 
And then you're inviting people into your community really around. And these are the values that are guiding us forward. So I think that's that's a really important formula. Yeah. You know, and on the values piece, I don't think I've talked about this yet on the nonprofit radio show, but I have in my office at work brown paper bag from the soap store Lush and they sell super fancy soaps. And I walked by one day and and went into a Lush store when I was in a big city and it smelled so good. And I got completely roped into spending way too much money on a bar of soap. And when I left, I looked at the bag and printed on the bag were a series of we believe statements, you know, so we believe and, you know, I I think they don't test on animals and, you know, we believe in, and some of them were beautifully worded, but I was sort of stunned to think, oh my gosh, here's an organization that is so clear about what it believes. It prints it on their bag, right? And they want everyone walking around the city to see that bag and, and say, I share these values. And I just left that experience thinking, I wish every nonprofit had their lush bag. <laughs> um, I wish yeah. as bold about what we value and what we stand for, that we'd, we'd be willing to print it on a bag. Um, and so I think October is the great time or prepping for year and fundraising is a great time to be thinking about what those values would be and then find a way to put them into your messaging. Absolutely. So, and I think there's a few things that are resonating right now. There's certainly the bright spots, hope that we all want to see. We all, we want to hope that there's something better coming out of all this. Absolutely. There's honesty, what's hard. And there's an invitation into the issue, right? I mean, how have you used that? How have you invited donors into the issues that you're working on? Yeah. So for example, where I live right now, experiencing a a real wave of an influx of people, certainly during the pandemic, lots of people have escaped bigger, more crowded areas and come out into the country. And it feels like it's shifting and changing our culture and our just the, the stress on services and nature. <laughs> and we don't have the answers to what to do about that. And so we write about it often in our, in our annual appeal letter, for example, we talk about how we as a community need to have conversations about it. We'd love to hear from you. How does it feel to you? What do you want to see preserved and protected in this area? It's amazing how people respond. They actually write back with their thoughts and then you're in a dialogue. So I think sometimes just being honest about, hey, there's stuff here that we don't know how to solve, but we're we're seeing a trend and we're wondering what you're seeing. Do you see it too? And what do you want to do about it? Most people won't engage, but a huge number will. And the mere fact that you as an organization are saying what we do is complex and we're being thoughtful, I think sends a really important message out to your donors about who you are as an organization. Yeah, it'd be really helpful to run it past a few people just to get their sense. You know, I'm thinking about the question that I've picked up from watching a whole bunch of interior design shows on Netflix. (laughs) And that is... When you walk into a room, what is your emotional connection? So the equivalent here is when you read that letter, what emotion is evoked? What emotion do you want people to have? Do you want people to feel anger? Do you want people to read your letter and feel hope? Do you want them to read your letter and feel confidence that Metal Conservancy's got this thing buckled down? We we can trust them. I just send a check and and they're going to figure out these big problems. Or are you trying to evoke some emotion of 
connection of we're all in this together kind of thing, right? Yep, absolutely. And, you know, when you said earlier, it'd be nice to run it by a few people, I actually think that's essential. So we, as the creators of whatever medium, whether it's a letter or a video or, you know, whatever we're doing, we think it's brilliant, right? Because we've painstakingly got it to the point that it sings. I actually make sure I always then have that reviewed by someone outside the organization, someone who actually mirrors that person we're trying to reach (laughs) and say, okay, give me your feedback. There's a great way to invite someone in, right? (laughs) Give me your feedback. It's a great way to ask a board member or, you know, some say, find me someone, tell me, send this to your neighbor and ask them to give us feedback on it because you will be amazed at how this sentence or this theme that you thought worked perfectly actually had someone spinning off in a totally different direction. Or the piece that you thought was maybe corny is what someone said was their favorite part of it. So I think that's, I think that's absolutely essential to this process because, and, and the question you can ask is what was your feeling when you read this letter or heard this video and see if it matches with what you were trying to do. What is that saying in the fundraising world? If you ask for money, you'll get advice. If you ask for advice, you'll get money. (laughs) I mean, you're playing around with this idea, right? You're not asking that donor who mirrors the people you're trying to reach for money. You're saying, give me advice. And what a great way to then get their buy-in eventually, possibly to give money. Absolutely. So after you've made your plan, you got to work it. And that's what the last few weeks of the year are for. And as you're thinking about that plan, remember, this is a terrific time to engage people on your board or other staff members who may not have fundraising as their primary responsibility in the process. For example, they can help the reviewers or they can help share it with other people. They can help make something personal in it. Maybe they want to tell their story of why they're connected to the organization. And you can include that. It doesn't always have to be your story that you're sharing. So try to think of ways to engage other people in this process. And then set realistic timelines. Remember, this is a super busy time of year for everyone, right? People all go crazy between Thanksgiving and New Year's. (laughs) So you have to make sure your message is honed down to the point that it's clear and easy. This is not the time for the complicated, here's our eight-part strategic plan that we want you to see. You know, save that for February, but in December, keep it very, very simple, clear messaging based in your values so that I immediately am like, oh, I share that value. And when your family is having their discussion, everyone sits around the table and says, yep, we all believe that same thing. There we go. We're not down in the weeds of, is their strategy for the eight-part plan the right one? And finally, You need to decide how you're going to measure success. Obviously, how much money comes in the door will be one measure of success. But you should also have other measures, like are we replenishing new donors? Are we retaining the donors we have? Are we reaching that, say, younger or older demographic that we haven't been reaching? Have we, are gifts increasing? You know, you you can't measure every single thing every single time because that's not doable. So you need to pick one or two goals and then figure out how you're going to collect the data to, to track them. And then it's also finally the time to be thinking about what that backup plan is so that if things don't go the way you want at the end of 2021, how are you going to catch up and make up that difference in the first quarter of 2022? Mm-hmm. I think that's great. And I know we had a whole episode on fundraising metrics, so we can cue that one up and people can drill into that. You know, I've seen often board members getting really involved in end of year fundraising. And I think that that's an interesting way to engage your board. 
where, again, it can be dividing up those letters and having board members sign them. It can be board members doing follow-up phone calls, although sometimes those can be a little bit too much or maybe an email or something like that. But, you know, this is a great case to your point of engaging the whole team. Absolutely. And especially if you inform that team first, just how important November and December are to your organization. I'm always surprised at how few board members remember that at least in my organization, you know, the vast majority of our money comes in in the, in those, you know, that about six to eight week period, it's essential to us. Our money does not flow evenly throughout the year. And I, I think that's not uncommon, but if we never stop and tell a board member that, how would they know? And that helps, I think, inspire wanting to help in some way. You know, that makes me think that our, our public radio campaign is heating up now. And I've been tracking the fact that one week before it started, they told us it was going to start. Hey, next week, it's going to start. And then three days before it was going to start, hey, it's going to start. And now I think we're in the middle of it or it's starting any minute. And I actually really appreciated knowing in advance that, hey, in the month of November and December, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm now bringing it to our situation where we warn people or we invite people in advance that this is about to happen. So they're ready for it. Exactly. We're priming them to get our letter with joy. So what's our word of the week? Oh, well, it has to be give. Oh, of course it does. So what do you think about with give? Well, so uh, I think two things. First, of course, I think of the, you know, give as in freely sharing something like I I give my advice on the nonprofit radio show. I I give support to friends. And that and when I think about that, I think of how great it feels. But I also think about give in terms of like having enough elasticity, like the give in my pants. Uh, <laughs> give in my that's hitting close to have back down. <laughs> you know, my sweatpants, uh, that waistband has a certain amount of give in it. And I actually think that's a really important thing for nonprofits to think about at year end. Year end can be really busy and you have to have enough elasticity or or that give in your waistband um, as an organization to make sure you're ready for it all so that it doesn't come at you and and just overwhelm you and and leave you not able to enjoy the end of the year either. Yeah, I love that. It's that whole, how much margin do you have on your page, you know, question. You know, when I think about give, I think about the the saying, it's better to give than to Mm. receive. And I think about how when we invite someone to give, we are actually giving them a gift. We're giving them the gift of an opportunity to be about to be connected to something much bigger than themselves. So that means that we're not kind of begging for money and we desperately need this. This is an opportunity to be part of something bigger than yourself. And that that's a gift into itself. Oh, that was so well said and, and probably so much more meaningful than my sweatpants issue. But all right. <laughs> <laughs> so as we enter the giving season, um, let's be sure we're giving our organizations the best chance for success. Take some time now to talk through your strategy, enlist the support of others, and do the planning you need to be ready for November and December. Be sure to build enough give into your fundraising plans so that you can enjoy the holidays and the year end too. And most of all, as Nancy reminded us, remember you are giving your potential donors an opportunity to do something meaningful, to be part of something hopeful and to express their values. You've got this. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Radio Show. If you like what you heard on today's episode, please consider sharing the podcast and rating us on your favorite podcast site. Your support is the best way for us to reach more people. 
We invite you to look at the show notes at nonprofitradioshow.com for ideas on how to bring these conversations into your organization or to tell us what you'd like to hear next. Nonprofit Radio Show is produced by Nancy Bacon and Sarah Brooks. Editing and post-production are provided by Margaret Mep Schulte of Three Choices Creative Communications. Music is by Riley Crabtree. Together, we are inspired by you and other nonprofit leaders doing important work in our communities.